three, two, one, roll the footage. Welcome back, everybody, to the Strategy Sprints podcast. I'm your host, Simon Severino, and my guest today, for the second time this year, professional speaker, filmmaker, and author of three award-winning books, an itinerant bohemian who likes to connect dots and people, tell stories, and elevate the debate on a global level. His next book, coming out in one month, is called You Lead, How Being Yourself makes you a better leader. Published by Kogan Page. Welcome everybody, Minter Dial. Yo, ciao, Simon, how are you? So cool to have you here. And being a fan of Minter and being a fan of Kogan Page, meanwhile also, I am so excited to have you here and I want to know everything about the book. But first, how are you? What are you currently creating? So I am trying to create the master plan or execute it, uh, launching a book from my little desk in West Kensington. Whereas my prior books, uh, we did things like book signings, conferences with books available at the back, all that kind of good stuff. It's a whole nother gig launching it from my little confine in West Kensington. Yeah, that's true. So what's the new book launch, the book tour? What's the tour? Is it podcasts? What is it? TV? Yeah, well, it's it's not easy. And, uh, and you know, you, you don't go into it without having done pre-work. And there, this idea of, you know, well, you can just spin it out on social media and people will talk about it. Well, it's much more complicated because they don't know what's in the content yet. So creating that buzz really relies on my own network and how they're willing to sort of step out and say, hey, this is this is it, because it's not out there yet. Creating that momentum so that on the first day there's some sales. And uh, and so in terms of like the book tour, I have a friend, Matt Phelan, <clears throat> who, who does a book about being happy. And, um, and what he did is he did sort of a, a virtual book tour where he created events that were local to a country, yet, of course, everything from his desk. So there's some great ideas out there, but it just takes a lot of work. <clears throat> the, the, I would say the biggest part of my uh, my effort is around podcasting. And I gave myself the, the, the task of going out and getting podcasts initially in Europe because it launches January 3rd and then North America because it launches 20, January 26th over there. Super cool. So the book tour... The book tour, this big concept that we, we are used to, like the, the concert tour, the book tour, mm. completely to be reinvented and some going digital, some going podcasts. This is exciting. This is exciting. And you are, you are one of the pioneers. Well, I, I don't know about that, Simon. I'm, I'm doing my little best and I'm hoping that although it's just another book on leadership, it does provide a different angle on leadership and, it, and also contextually relevant. And, and hopefully that's going to take, you know, I was doing a, um, a podcast with a, a book publishing company, Page Two, and they were, we were talking about what makes the success of a book. And, and really the fundamental thing, well, it better be good. So it's, like, it's sort of like marketing in general. I don't care what your marketing tactics and antics and strategy is. 
if you don't have a good product in the first place. So, because that puts the onus on me, I better have a good book. <laughs> and uh, we love books so much. Uh, I always ask the three, the three most important books. I asked you this already in the first time. So this time I want to know everything about your book. First, why did you write another book? You had so many books. Why another one? Well, of course, if you speak to somebody who's published uh, so many more, uh, I still feel I'm, I'm just sort of beginning to be good at writing books. <clears throat> This book was a, a book I initially started, Simon, in 2014. And it was actually supposed to be my first book. And I went into the idea of making this the book of my life. But not like, you know, Minter Dial's biography kind of book of my life. It was the book that really summed up how I try to live my life, both at work and outside of work. And, and, and ultimately, what I think is the difference in this book, even as I position it as a leadership book and, and about business, it's about finding out how to lead yourself seven in the morning, in the shower, with the family, friends, And, and mostly yourself, and also in work. And how do you lead yourself and, and be a great leader at work? And those two things cannot be separated. And so it's really allowing for, giving permission to be who you are at work as, a putting, as putting on a mask, not the one like this, but you know, one like this, and bring that to work. And I, I talk about the concept of moving from tie to tie-dye where you might wear a corporate tie, but allow the tie dye, in my case, you know, because I'm a deadhead, to come through and, and, and it's messier, it's less polished, but that's who I am. Something is coming up in me. Today in the morning, my kids, which, is, which are there, they were listening. They, they usually use, they, they listen to audiobooks and... And, uh, and today they were listening in the morning, they're two and five, they were listening to stories that I have recorded onto, onto them because I was flying a lot last year. And so on the phone, I would tell them some good night stories and invent some stories. So in the morning, I, I pass by there to, to work here and I hear that they are listening to my voice. And I was touched by that because I thought, oh, look, if, if I drop that, Today, I have still left something. I am there. They have something. They, they can connect to what matters to, to, to me, basically. We, we are connected. And now I was thinking the book of your life. So how does this also um, have the element of what, what do I want to leave behind on this planet? Well, I think that's a, a, you know, a super important point. And in the, in the end of the day, one thing I can say is that it doesn't need to be a book. Whatever your legacy is, you just did an audio recording. There, there are many ways to leave a, a, a physical manifestation of, of who we are and what we want to say. And, uh, and, and, and also within writing a book, you've got the audio version of it. And we're talking uh, now about 5% of business books are being consumed as audiobooks on an average. And so there's, there are many ways that we're getting the, getting the message out. I, I, for me, each of my books has 
despite their genre or despite the topic we're talking about, I really think of them as expressions of what's important to me. So while it's about me at some level, of course, as an author, I'm, I'm very, with great intention, trying to make my books elevate the debate, make them provide important messages. Because Simon, I think that the, the day of push, 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 great performance, how can we be more efficient? How can we be more effective? tires and 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 people can be successful like that but it's just not a long-term mechanism it's one that might push out great sales and, and you know hopefully success in a short-term manner but like life business is a long-term thing and how you do your business how you lead, who you are, is at least as important as what you do. How you do it versus what you're doing. And uh, and then of course, within the how, the famous why. Why are you doing this? And so that these are some of the more legacy things that I'm trying to bring in. Do things that are important and, and, um, and check in on who you are and bring solid values that you're proud to, to have that, that hopefully reflect who you are so that when I get to roll over or get closer to that moment in my life, I can look back and say, yeah, I tried to push decent values, values that I'm proud about, and hopefully other people can share. Beautiful. Elevating the debate. I like that a lot as a concept. And uh, because it has longevity in it and it has meaning and legacy, it's beautiful. And um, so what is the debate that this book specifically, your, your last one, wants to elevate? Right. So the, the real issue is, it's a, just in terms of context, is I see leaders struggling to execute to plans. I see employees highly disengaged. And so despite all of the books that have been out there about leadership, I can clearly see that we haven't turned the corner on poor politics, bad ambiances, and cultures that don't have legs to stand on for the long term. So this book, the debate is, how much of you should you bring to work? So if I, if I said you were in the shower at seven in the morning or whatever, you know, I'm more like five o'clock, but... If, if you're naked in the shower, well, that's not what you're gonna bring to work, right? So it's not about everything. There's nuance in this. And so the, the big debate is bringing yourself, how much of you should you bring to work that will carry that sort of sense of, well, this is who I am. This is me, you know? I, I, I'm not perfect. I, I should shower and shave just like everybody, other, other men for shaving part. And, and and I want to bring that into work so I, I feel gritty. I'm recognizing when I don't feel happy and I'm leaning into some honesty with regard to that. Uh, yet, along the spectrum, what portion of you, you don't need to bring? Wow. Yeah, because this debate is an active debate. Bring your whole self to work versus, no, no, just be a cog in the machine, do, the, do, do your job, shut up, go home. And, uh, and, and, and right now it's leaning all towards bring more, bring more of you. And so this is super relevant. 
And especially right now, pandemic, crisis, rethinking our role, rethinking what people really need from us. Yeah, and for me, since I, I actually handed in the manuscript seven days before lockdown V1 in London. And, and so there I was sitting on a manuscript, 65,000 words, and seeing everything happening around, including, as, as you can even see in this video, for those of you who are watching it, uh, my background. So my background, I don't have this polished green screen up. I, it's a little gritty and grainy. It's a little bit messy. Uh, and you can see um, behind me here uh, my, my tuck box from my school. And on it is painted uh, the seven-year-old me, the address of my school. And I can I can sort of imagine me with that with a with a, a bra, paintbrush trying to write everything with with great intensity. Of course, as you can see, not perfectly lined up and different size letters. But that's that was seven the seven year old me. So I feel like having this by me r reminds me of me back to who I was. And and it's okay in a professional environment to allow for that. And on the other side, I've got suitcases, which are, I'm I, I'm a sort of a traveling person i'm a bohemian itinerant i like to say and that's also me and it's a little bit messy and behind me i have a, a portrait of a family member and and yeah so in this new world actually in isolation we are bringing more of us whether it's the cat that might jump up onto my desktop or a child yours could say papa dove dove sei where are you and um and that that also is part of how we are. And, and funnily enough, we we before we we like to separate that. You know, no, no, no. It's all you know. Bring it on work. Just bring yourself to work. I have no time for that shit. That emotion. That's that other stuff. Leave that behind. But just like how you sleep has an impact on who you are and what you bring to work, how you show up. So we should be talking about sleep at work. And others are, well, that's an invasion of privacy. Well, okay, if you don't feel comfortable going that far, then that's where you need to look at your scale. Because you don't want to do things that make you desperately uncomfortable, where you have chips on your shoulders and you're sort of ducking eyes and, and you don't feel good. Yet I'm trying to give permission and encourage to bring more of you. Absolutely. So um, when I started this podcast, I had a suit and tie every day and three cameras and uh, it was such a, a an inner work an inner process of having exactly this these questions how much do i bring in do i really need still the suit and tie so i'm wearing a shirt right i'm yeah. gonna just do a little i'm doing a little zoom one second watch this yeah. so you can see the detail do you know what's on uh, the shirt can you see is this birds guitars nope they're masks masks yeah and um it kind of feels like a an allegory for for us and what mask are we going to bring to work and I, the thing that i'm really fighting for too is is not a hundred percent who you are and it's okay to have a secret garden in fact i like to say that there's beauty and mystery which of course is relevant if you're a luxury brand, but it's not because you have this total mystery that you can't reveal more of you behind the scenes, make you sound real, come to, day, come to office some days and say, ah, shit, I don't feel well. 
So, you know, this these idea of this mask that we have, wearing it on my shirt, wearing it on my sleeve, um, it's an allegory, I think, for the, the style that we have and it quite relevant in our little context these days. It's such an archetypal topic, the mask. I think Carl Gustav Jung said persona to, to, to express the personality, which was what, what is manifesting, what is uh, the surface. And he said, this is exactly what you are not. Basically, this is what you are showing the world. That's your mask. And then mm -hmm. there's shadow, and then there is yourself. So there are three things that you can show. You can show your mask. You can show which is your personality. But that's, that's the shallowest part. And then there is the shadow. Oh, that's the darkness inside of you, the animality. Embrace that, and you are even more here. And then there is your essence, the self. And that's... that's uh, limitless it's always there and it's it's your soul basically and it's connected to a bigger thing. I, i'm a big union and uh ah. i mean i even i wrote a novel unpublished that is called forever young and and really enjoyed exploring personalities through the Jungian um filter if you will and i think that the this notion of the dark side is is a tricky and necessary discussion simon we, we, we all have secret gardens. We all have sides of us that are not perfect. And this Instagram-y first persona that we're always presenting, I think is really at the cause of so much dissension, disengagement, entropy, and burnout. Because it is tiring retouching every photograph of you all day long. I don't know if you've ever retouched, but what a pain in the ass that is as a job in terms of details. I mean, when we were, when I was at L'Oreal, we were so proud to have these airbrushed models selling, selling a pipe dream. And it's no wonder that you had other brands come through saying, no, 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 this product isn't going to make you 65 years younger, Simon. <laughs> oh, really? Well, gosh, I'm only 56. That would make me minus, uh, you know, whatever. So I, I, this, this notion of, of embracing that darker side is about being aware of who you are. But it's not because you're an axe murderer in the dark side that you should accept it. So it's about recognizing that that's my dark side and looking to improve it all the same. But the first step is, is acknowledging it being aware of being able to sort of express it and then leaving it in because I think it's actually part of your essence. I think it's, it is a, a facet of each of us to have a less good side. There's no such thing as a perfect essence. This, it's, it's understanding those imperfections, not looking at them like there's some sort of hideous other person, but say, hey, this is me. This is part of what I am. I can wake up some mornings and be grouchy that's not great, but at least be aware. Don't pretend about it because that pretension is one of the reasons why I see so many people around my age, Simon, who hit the wall and say, what, what the hell? I feel unhappy. I feel unfulfilled. And that's because they've basically been living on a sidetrack. And it's a fine line. And so I think if we stay with the archetypes, on, on the one side, we are showing more of ourselves because it's, it's just visible. So the untidiness, the room we live in, our kids, our dogs, it's just 
you can see more of us. And then, but also we are seeing more of our own shadow because we have, we, we are grounded and we have the chance to look at ourselves the way we really are. Like I was confusing flying around like crazy for status. And now I know it was just an illusion. Mm-hmm. We were telling each other that it's high status to fly around, but it's not. It's really a, a, a cage, a cage in the air. Uh, and it's a waste of time because I cannot play with my kids on that day when I'm flying around. So mm-hmm. things are, we, we have the chance to reflect mm-hmm. and things are reshifting and, 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 and the meaning is changing. And also on the other side, we are asking ourselves, okay, this is my persona. What is my essence? What, what do I really want to move forward? Interesting discussion about reflection is that I'm not someone who tends to look in the mirror and check out how I'm doing my wrinkles or how my eyebrows are. And yet I'm thrust into looking at myself as I speak because here I am constantly having a a camera look at me. And so far more than in the past, I can see who I am far more and i think that's an important part of what's changed so there's a reflection happening and then there's also more time doing this but there's this time to reflect where i'm not doing the one and a half hour commute every morning while i was using that commute to do things like whether it was read and catch up listen to podcasts do other things now you naturally have more opportunities to sit and reflect to be with your family, like you're saying, Simon. And I think that this is this is something that will have a lasting impact on employees and leaders. Absolutely. Um, also, nature is coming back. So in cities like Venezia, there are the dolphins and you see them, which usually you wouldn't see because there was so much uh, around. Now, I was, I, I'm like you, a morning uh, person. I was running in the morning. It was dark, but I, I, I met two foxes. I, I usually meet only one fox. It's always the same at the same time, the same spot coming out of the woods. Now they were two. It, it was a, a, a small magic moment of connections with my, with my surroundings that I would not have had um, yeah. pre-COVID. So also nature's coming back. What we are doing with, with, with our surroundings is, is now also a topic of discussion and a debate and that we are connected to more. Mm. And so, um, so sounds like a pandemic procreation happening amongst the foxes. Need to come to London where we have them just everywhere all the time. They are everywhere. So, And the other thing that's interesting is um, you got a lot of people who are deciding to move to the countryside, at least to be in lockdown in the countryside. And I think whether you live in a city or in a country, there is a, an interesting idea, which is uh, hopefully there's a lastingness for your idea of, of you know, more livestock and family, uh, you know, nature, but just uh, occasionally remember to go out and touch some soil. We kind of go to the, we go to a park and we walk across it, but what about putting your hand into the earth? You don't have to stay there forever, but just run your fingers through the grass. Get your hands dirty. And I think that is a lovely extra type of exercise that we can all do. Because it's going to ground us, like you're saying, and and remind us that we're not perfect. We're not clean. There are 
the in the the yogic hospitals in India are different than our our hospitals. They if you're sick, the yogic hospitals is they put you they ground you really in the garden. They make they make a spot there for you and you stay a couple hours or a day in the earth uh, because they say first you get the energy back where it comes from and second you you resync. You resync everything to that dirtiness. Maybe there is some implication of the shadow and of the dirtiness and integrating that. But also you, you get energy back from the source, which is Mother Earth. Which is why I, I was such a fan. I'm still a, such a fan of Johan Hari's book, Lost Connections. Because in Johan Hari's book, he talks about our need to connect we're disconnected because of all of so many things we're disconnected even though we're hyper connected and the disconnections can be remade if you have intentionality to it and one of the seven things that he suggests to connect back with is nature and so when you're walking don't just walk from a to z or do 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 walk and and breathe walk and, and listen to the sound of birds look for those foxes and and don't just you know mechanically walk through life try to be more present with what's going on amongst other things that might help you understand better customers and see what's going on in people's minds and lives <clears throat> look what's happening in retail or, and also as you're walking around connect with strangers don't just walk by constantly without taking or acknowledging other strangers it can be a gift you give to somebody, just a smile to somebody and while it's you know the, this this idea of energy giving can bring back energy so different ways to to try to make your have a little bit more step in your life so you you handed over the manuscript and then something completely changed the whole world. How did you cope with that? What came next? Well, so funnily enough, as I was mentioning this book, I began in 2014. And actually, Simon, that year I wrote 30,000 words of this book. Wow. And then what happened was over the, the space of these six years, or, so, or five to be more precise, every year something major happened to me in my life. When I say major, you have to imagine it's a big deal best friend killed himself, my editor uh, got sick um, in a very serious manner, and so on. So, and then there were, got a TV producer called me and says, I want your film to go on television. That's not every day that that happens. <laughs> so so the, these, these are things that changed the course of my life and, and certainly had major impacts on me. But then I finished this manuscript, I'm thinking, oh, this time I've got it, yay, it's done, you know? I'd, I'd had these three major things happen to me that stopped it happening before. And then all of a sudden, lockdown and the company Kogan is furloughed. I'm like, uh, is this book ever going to make it? Is this really the book of my life? Is this the message of my life? And the message is actually far more about being determined and persistent to make things happen. Because as much as I talk about being, you still have to do. And there's, there's action. And so as I was sitting on this manuscript, I was like, uh-oh, what's this going to do to the reader when it comes out? January 3, it's out. Someone's picking it up, a stranger. What mood are they going to be in? What's their context? Are they going to be like, 
all this stuff about leadership. Yeah, yeah, but it's not that important. So what, what I wanted to do, well, first of all, check that I had the right message. And I feel more than convinced that I'm on track to wit our personal lives being exposed all the time. And two, what I did is I, I find, finessed some of the stories I had just to make them more up-to-date and contextually relevant. I didn't do a lot, but then um, I had a chance to work on it, and then we submitted it again in the summer after doing the nth reread of the script. And uh, yeah, so that's what I'm hoping. That it'll, it'll fall on desks and be well-received because it is it is really about capturing your energy and getting fulfillment in your life, not just making a buck, not just about success. If you can create success in your fulfillment category, I think success will then flow through to the bottom line. Whenever I talk to the camera or write something, I always have one person in mind, like mm. I'm looking at this person as always uh a real person that i'm talking to when you write who who do you imagine do you do you have somebody you write to you write for hmm. well no uh because i i well i do try to imagine i'm, I'm telling my story more like at a dinner party hmm. and because if i just single out one side i i it could be very exclusionary for others but I, I do think of it as a, a a natural idea to tell stories. And an interesting exercise is to read out loud what you write. Mm. A, because audiobooks, that's what that is. And two, it, it can sound a little bit more natural. So one of the things I've managed to do, which is get off the old hat of perfect grammar, or at least that sort of almost pedantic style of grammar, which I used to have, being a literary person, where you had to write, you are a leader, you're a leader. Now it's okay to contract and be a little bit more informal in your approach because that's how we are. We're not some formal beast wearing ties all the time. So I, that's one of the things that I, 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 I strive to do. And the idea of, uh, of writing to have somebody listen, um, what I do have, Simon, is I have underneath it the thought of I'm writing this as a representation of me, and I like to think of that what I'm leaving behind. So the real key point for me is, am I being real when I say that I did this? Am I expressing a legitimate and full version of me in the stories that I tell? Because, you know, storytelling, like anything in marketing, you can manipulate the story to get the message out. You can discord, have discord between who you are and the story you're telling. And so I, 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 that's what I do. I try to talk with myself, I think, Simon, make sure that I'm being me in, and I think that, that is a, uh, a, you know, unshaven version of me that feels like me. Do you first write it and then read it out loud, or do you directly talk it into into a voice recorder and then write it? So I'm a writer first and foremost, and I, I I've tried to sculpt a, a style or a voice that is informal in my writing, but my talking it out loud that comes afterwards. 
but it, it's something I try to do instill. I get up early in the morning and I love to write with that sort of tranquility of the morning. The, the only thing I hear are until the garbage collector comes um, mm -hmm. will be the sound of birds talking to each other. And, and that's a precious moment for me. And so I'm in a sort of zone and I type away. And even, of course, I, I don't just type. I, I go back. I'm, I'm flowing through. And it's only once I've really gotten a long way into it that I'll, when I read back, because you have to read a manuscript probably 12, 15 times once it's done. And, um, and so you might as well do it with one of those 15, fully reading it out loud and feeling how it feels coming out of your mouth because it's, it's, it's tapping into a different part of your brain as you're feeling it. And then it can help you lean into how other people are going to read it. And how, how does it affect? So you, you hear it now, what you have written. Uh, other parts of the brain come in. What, what small transformations happen there? And uh, what happens when you go back to the text? Well, what will happen is, I, as I'm speaking it out loud, I'm like, well, would I really want to be saying that at a dinner party? That's sort mm -hmm. of... Because it's no longer just a thought. You can read stuff, and so much is going on in the brain. So by speaking it out loud, it kind of zeroes in the mind. And it's not just a cognitive zeroing in, because it's a, it's a physical zeroing in. Does it resonate with who I am inside? And it's this box in my lungs and my vocal cords, and it's coming out. And does it sound right? Uh, of course, I can only hear my voice from within, someone else can always has another reading of it. So the, you and I are t exchanging this morning. The words coming out of my mouth, I have one experience of that. You have another. And in your experience, you're, you're inevitably saying, is it real? Is it not? As well as thinking about you, what you're thinking and, and your context. So it's a messy a process, process, but... It, by actually speaking it out loud, I feel it. And then when I go back into the text, I, you know, I, that just felt shitty. So I need to, or just felt a little bit sort of dry or a little bit too formal. Let's break it up. How can I, or the sentences were too long. Like sometimes when I ramble. <laughs> I love it. Would I say this at a dinner party? Because this really is the reality check. Would I say this? And I'm, I will try this because I think I, I will I will have a lot of moments where I say, hey, now you're trying to be funny. Uh, don't be so much funny. Uh, look at this pattern. Is this really what you want to convey? So it's a beautiful yeah. and simple exercise. And, uh, you know, I include at that dinner table in my fictional mind, my children who are 21 and 24. Mm -hmm. So they're adults. And, uh, and, and why not think of them as well at that dinner party? Because are you going to bore them shitless? Or are you going to go on some, you know, almost mechanical Turk where I'm going to just push out a message? Ah, ah. Or are you going to sound real and, and engage them with something, latch into them in some emotional way? Tell a story that's not just about you, but brings them into it. So in the storytelling mode, figure out how to be more real. One of the things that's really interesting, Simon, when we talk about storytelling a lot, intellectually, I think there are many CEOs who get the idea of storytelling. 
All right, let me tell you a story, right? So that's not a hard thing to remember. All right, now, now I've got to think of the story. So I tell the story, but the, the challenge I think many people can have, and I certainly had at times, which is connecting to the story I'm telling at a deeper level. Is it a real story? Does it latch into a part of me, the seven-year-old kid who's writing on my tech box? Or is it just an intellectual exercise? Well, I was told by some marketing guru that I should just tell stories. So let me tell you a story, Simon, blah, 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 blah. But if there's no relationship between you and that story, A, it's going to sound like it's a little un or pretentious. And two, it's going to bore you, Simon. You're going to bore yourself by having to repeat the same goddamn story all the time. And well, what sort of an energy is that for a leader? And, and if, if you are bored, the, the, the audience is probably sleeping already. <laughs> yeah, and, and you see that. You, you don't, I mean, you can, you can pick it up when, when people just don't have that extra zip and flair and energy. And, and here's the thing, Simon. When you're young like you, it's easy to tap into extra energy. I'm not saying it's perfectly easy because you have kids and you're tired and, and all that other stuff. But as we're younger, we, we generally have more energy. That's just a reality. Our sleep patterns are perturbed, but they're not quite as perturbed as being old when, when you have other things to deal with. And, and if you don't take care of that energy, that bank of energy earlier, well, then you hit the brick wall when you're 50 or at some point in your life. And, and that whole generation of, of energy just doesn't happen naturally if you haven't intentionally thought about what brings me back energy? How can I tap into me and accept this? Otherwise, I'm having that gap that you were talking about between my Instagram me, my first persona, and, and the real me. And if there's a bigger gap, that gap there, that's entropy. And you can compensate for that throughout your life because intellectual exercise well i gotta do this i need to have money on the table okay fine except are you being real and and when you need to bring on just not just yourself to work but you need a team try to close the gap mind the gap between that persona you're projecting and this this other you including your your shadow beautiful and this also brings in some new levels of thinking into the, into the debate. The one is, do I check, does it really touch the seven-year-old me and, and the, the seven-year-olds in general? So would this really touch the soul of the conversation? That's also a beautiful question to ask. And, uh, and something, I guess, listeners can start implementing into their world wherever they are, right? Um, how we conduct meetings, how we have conversations uh, with with our dearest ones, with our colleagues. Uh, are we touching the the soul of the thing here? Hmm. Or are we dancing on, on details, on features? Yeah, we're, we're basically trained to have that persona, to, to be the, the leader. And, well, I got to have all the answers and I've got to lead everybody by example. And, and you can do that up to a point, but then things will start to fritter, including your energy, maybe even your health. And, and so it's my encouragement is to start 
earlier in thinking about this. And by the way, Simon, it's a journey. There's no like, I'm going to turn over a new leaf and I'm going to be me. <laughs> Forget about it. It's a journey. It's a hard thing to do. And and I certainly have had a, a navigation and there are times when I'm not perfectly lined up with who I am, of course. You know, I can post on Instagram uh, a shot and, and try to pretend to be intellectual, but it's, you know, maybe sometimes I'm... I'm a little being ingenuous with myself. And the thing about seven years old, which is really interesting, is that it, it's an age where you have curiosity, you're expressing things, you're still spongible, you, you want to learn. And there's a, an amazing British series, I should call it, called Seven Up. Have you ever heard of it? No. Seven Up is a, uh, a genius idea of a director who said, well, if I show you the seven-year-old, Am I showing you the man or the the woman? And and so what he did is he gathered roughly 15 seven-year-old kids, filmed them, talked to them about things that they have in their minds, which weren't grandiose necessarily, but just, hey, what do you think is important? Uh, what do you think of girls? What do you think of uh, what do you want to be in your life and all this sort of stuff? And then it, he let them go, and then he came back seven years later and filmed them at 14, it was called 14 up. And then he kept on doing that. We're now up to 63 up. They started in the same year I was born. So watching the these seven-year-olds the same year I was zero, and I'm just seven years behind, has been wonderful for me. It's obviously maybe contextually more relevant to me, but it's show me a seven-year-old and I will show you the man is the premise of the film. And I think talking to seven-year-olds, not by mistake. It's sort of fortuitous that my trunk was painted by a seven-year-old. That's when I went to go, started going to boarding school. But there is the story. Go and watch Seven Up. It's a just a truly delightful spin through history, through the eyes of individuals who, some privileged, some less privileged, who succeeds. And if there's one message that I see, and there's one character, which I won't tell you, but there's one character who I feel succeeds the most. And that's because he, because they're girls and boys, he was really the most in touch with who he was, including his imperfections. And I think it's a, uh, a tremendous example of leading your life because he's inside and outside the same person. This is beautiful. And I have two more years to document the seven-year-old Federico, and I have five more years to document the seven-year-old Alessandro. And I have ma made a mental note make sure there are videos and not just photos that there are texts because they might, they might. And, and, what, and and following on you can ask them a question so for your seven-year-old ask them a question uh hey and then then come back and, and film answering that same question in seven years time beautiful man this is one of the episodes that i will listen over and over to when i go running this is beautiful thank you for sharing all of this it's been my Is pleasure. There anything that I did forget to ask you? How are you, Simon? Oh yeah, I met yeah, <laughs> yeah. I met two foxes in the morning, and I, I, I had my kids listening to my voice, and uh, I'm connecting to you so many kilometers away. A beautiful soul sharing his journey with the world. And now the most cool thing, people can grab it and hold it in their hands. 
you have spoken to dinner parties for since 2014 and that's all in this in this paper thing there you lead so go out there grab it and uh it's it's a beautiful thing and and the process that you that you have uh is amazing and inspiring and i think also for all the people who are not writing right now but they are of course they are creating because everybody is creating things every day so and i think these questions to double check if you're real if it touches the soul of the thing if it elevates the debate, whatever your field is, there is a debate there. If you're touching your clients with the thing that you create, being in the product, a feature, a service, whatever, um, I think this is super valuable for all of us. Thank you, Simon, for having me on. I enjoy talking about this topic. It motivates me. It's something I can jump out of bed independently with my sort of autonomy and brings me um, sort of encouragement. And by the way, when in this journey, it's also about being pragmatic. So I don't try to be this person all the time. There are times when I've just got to do shit. I've got to pay bills. And, and, and I've got to do that stuff. It's not that big issue all the time. But I, I, what I'm always trying to do, and I, I even color code it within my calendar to make explicit that at least some portion of my day is is dedicated to this this bigger topic for me my north what i want to achieve and if i can get the end of the day sort of say all right yep i i i think i was good with that i did something that was important and i'm always looking for ways to make sure that my own energy stays up because when you when you write this stuff then you have to be held up to it right you know oh well mentor are you walking the talk you you say you do should do that you say you should do that and, and so I, I want to make sure that I am feeling good and intentional about what I'm trying to do during the day to, to allow for mentor to get energy. What is it that makes me tick? And I think that's part of the process. What is it, Simon, that makes you tick? Just like your, your kids, seeing the foxes, those are yours. And, and everybody needs to find them and make sure they integrate just at least enough every day to deal with all the crap that we have to deal with on an ongoing basis. Absolutely. And maybe, yeah, maybe we, we can share with our audience as the last bit what we have found out to work in terms of having energy. For, for me, it's having deep conversations with one person a day. And I think you have a very similar process. You, you even have colors for that. And, uh, and then also it's, it's moving my body once a day, at least once a day. Better twice, but at least once in different ways. One endurance, one strength. And um, because it moves also my energy, which is the same as the emotional energy and the spiritual energy. There is no separation in that. And uh, and also I have started intermittent fasting, uh, eating eight hours per day instead of, uh, I don't know, how, how much was it, 12 or 14? And uh, it, it, it really helps because I'm, I'm in, a, in my 40s now. You have, you have even much more experience. What helps you? <laughs> yeah, you mean I'm older. Um, so I have uh, generally, and it's not like dogma, but my general path, like you move me. And I, I wanted to do a hat tip to a chap called Nick Mayhew, uh, who really talks about the link between your body and your cognitive self. And, and we tend to sort of poo-poo this notion. Uh, you know, you don't need to be a bodybuilder, but just be in touch with your body. That's the key point. 
so my my little regime per day is I start off uh, in tranquility, meditation, stretching, and then uh, I have a, a very healthy breakfast. Start off with a good kick. I make my bed, and these are my. This is part of my morning routine, and and so I'm sort of at peace with myself. And then to make sure that I'm bringing back energy, like you say, I have my green meeting every day. Someone who is new. And uh, I think that the point of conversations is so important. Meaningful conversations in today's world is, is, da is really, really absent. And it's amazing how those meaningful conversations make you think over, tick over uh, new ideas. So I have my green person once a day. I still do it, absolutely. Then I have a one and a half hour walk pretty much every day. And, and that's about moving my body, not just being stuck in front of a computer, it's not about necessarily becoming, you know, more fitter. Uh, I still, every other day, I do hard workouts because as you get older, you you need a little time to to recover more from all these things. And I want to be able to do it in a in a marathon way, not in a sprint way. Uh, and then um, I play guitar for thirty minutes every evening. That connects with my creative side, and I've been playing for forty years and. When I pick up my guitar, something else is happening in me. It's a relationship that I have. I don't need anybody to play for, albeit my wife and my children are kind enough at times to want to listen. And uh, and and yeah, then then I then I in the evening I I need to connect in with my family in a deeper way, and uh, with my supportive, loving wife, we we make sure we do that then. Because other times, you know, we have our independence, got to do shit, can't just be, got to do. And uh, yeah, that's how I generally articulate getting energy back. And as long as at the end of the every day, I've done something to contribute to what my north is, which is about elevating the debate and connecting dots, people and ideas. That's good. Yeah, that feels good. And it provides an inner calm and some sort of movement like a wave within me. Beautiful. We have covered so much ground. This is an amazing episode. Thank you so much, Minter. And everybody, you lead Minter Dial. Go and get it. It's it's out in January, but you can you can grab it right now. And where can people uh, pre-order it? Amazon? Where should they go? Yeah. Actually, everywhere. If you if you like if you if you're okay with Amazon, sure. uh, they were having a deal on it just recently, but um, that they they changed their algorithms accordingly. You can get it alternatively at other e-tailers if you don't want to do the Amazon route. A like, and I put a call out for bookshop.org. Bookshop.org is an, a recent initiative designed to support independent book, book uh, sellers. Of course, uh, others like Blackwell's and Waterstones and, and the like. And Kogan Page uh, has it as well. So um, anyway, lots of different ways to, to get it, whatever it you suit and certainly i'd appreciate people uh, if they do buy it uh, and read it um that you think about dropping in a review one star two star anywhere you feel right for it because that's the the currency actually that makes books stick over beautiful thank you so much minter for being on the show come back soon and uh, have a great end of this year thank you and you too merry christmas happy holidays Enjoy, chill, seek energy, and uh, revivify for our the new year, 2021. 
All right, keep rolling. Avoid trying to do thousands of things that doesn't work. We have 274 templates for your business success. Reach your ambitious goals with one-on-one -on -one sprint coach. We double your revenue in 90 days.